You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. I built the confidence in myself to, to believe that I can do this and I will do this. And so I don't think it, it was ever a question of who's this kid? Like, am I too young? No, I can't do this. I'm too young. No way. It's, it's like, I believe I can do this. I'm going to do this and I'm, I'm going to make it happen. And I, I don't think age is a factor in, in terms of achieving your goals. I mean, it might be a factor in terms of qualifying for financing because you can't unless you're an adult, but it never dawned on me that I was 18. It didn't matter whether I was 18 or 28. I, I, I knew what I wanted to achieve and I'm going to do it. The We Love Equity Show is brought to you by Azria. Widely recognized as an outstanding resource for real estate investors with exceptional education, networking, and support, along with profit-enhancing benefits and all aspects of real estate investing. Visit Azria at www.azria.org. That's visit Azria at www.azria.org. Hello, guys, and welcome to another show. On today's show, I have the illustrious Marco Santelli, who is a real estate investor, author, and entrepreneur of the Eat 5000, and the founder of Narada Real Estate Investing, a nationwide provider of turnkey cash flow investment properties. His mission is to help 1 million people create wealth through passive income and put them on a pathway to financial freedom with real estate. He's also the host of the top rated podcast, Passive Real Estate Investing. So Marco, thank you. I want to welcome you to the show and welcome you to the We Love Equity listeners. How are you doing today? Marcus, I am doing great. It's an honor to be on your show and I'm looking forward to educating your audience here as best as we can. Sounds great. Sounds great. So Marco, I know I gave you, gave everyone a little, little short spiel on your bio, but kind of let's dig a little deeper and tell me why did you get started in real estate investing and, and what was your inspiration? I think I recognized at an early age, meaning my early teens, that real estate was true wealth creator. I wasn't born in a family uh, of wealth. My, my parents actually worked multiple jobs just to make ends meet and we lived with my grandparents. So there were actually six, six mouths to feed in the house. But in looking around at people that I, my family knew, it was pointed out to me that certain people were well off financially and, they, and, and then the question was, well, why? And the answer was, well, they had multiple properties, multiple duplexes and various streets in the city that I grew up in. So I filed that information in the back of my head, but I've always been interested in business and investing and entrepreneurship. And so I just kind of pursued a path. And ultimately when I turned 18, I bought my first rental property. Yes, that's a young age, but if, if there's anything I could share with people on your show, start young, start early, start as early as you can, because time is an ally and it's on your side. So the sooner you start, the better off you're going to be. And that's actually very, very wise advice for people to start as early as possible. I was a late starter. I was a late bloomer. I had to try and find my way. But now since I found my way, I wish, you know, I would have gotten started earlier. I'd be in a, in a lot better place, although I'm not in a bad place right now, but I know I could be a lot further. So tell me, Marco, let's, let's kind of that, that deal when you were 18, how did that come about? And I'm pretty sure you were scared. You had to have to be getting some advice from someone. So tell us about that, that deal at 18. That's amazing. Well, I think like most people, you don't really know what you are doing. And there's an element of fear being your first deal, your first purchase or investment. 
So yeah, I'm sure I was I was a little concerned and scared and fearful, but I was also very excited and enthusiastic. I wanted to do it. I was pursuing it very hard and I wanted to get to the point where I got that first property. So I was looking around to find the right deal. And I found a property that was needed some work. It wasn't a completely dilapidated house, but it needed quite a bit of upgrades. So I purchased it with the savings I had uh, accumulated from a part-time job that I, I had at the time working at a grocery store. And I had the credit to qualify for financing, so I bought the property. I don't remember what the down payment was, but it was relatively low in the grand scheme of things. And I put money towards fixing it up. <clears throat> my uncle, fortunately, was a contractor. I brought my uncle in to do the carpentry and, and the cabinets and other stuff. So it was good for him as well, and he gave me a deal, so it worked out for both of us. But ultimately, I put a sign in the lawn to put it up for lease because there was no internet back then. It was all paper and signage and newspapers. So I, I interviewed, quote unquote, <laughs> a bunch of people, <laughs> not knowing exactly how to screen, probably screen a qualified tenant. But ultimately, I found someone I was comfortable with, brought them in, and I managed the property myself for multiple years. So let me, let so, me stop you for one second, Mark. Mark, oh, I'm sorry. But being 18 and you're screening tenants, I mean, that, that seems to be kind of odd because most of the tenants are, will be a lot older than you. So how did that transition or the, how did that conversation go where some people like, are you serious? This 18 year old kid is interviewing me to be in this place. I never really thought about that until you just brought it up. And I've been asked this <laughs> question so many times about my first rental at the age of 18. And it's a good question. Now in hindsight, thinking about it, I, I don't think it ever phased me and here's why. I just had a clear vision of what I wanted to achieve. And with that vision, I just built the confidence in myself to, to believe that I can do this and I will do this. And so I don't think it, it was ever a question of who's this kid? Like, am I too young? No, I can't do this. I'm too young. No way. It's, it's like, I believe I can do this. I'm going to do this and I'm, I'm going to make it happen. And I, I don't think age is, is, a, is a factor in, in terms of achieving your goals. I mean, it might be a factor in terms of qualifying for financing because you can't unless you're an adult, but it never dawned on me that I was 18. It didn't matter whether I was 18 or 28. I, I, I knew what I wanted to achieve and I'm going to do it. So you have to have belief in yourself, I guess is the point here. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the things that limit a lot of people from getting started is just those self-limiting beliefs, wondering, okay, well, do I need this? Do I have to have this? I'm not compared to so-and-so. So those are some of those self-limiting beliefs. So at 18, you bought this, I'm assuming it was a, it was a townhouse, correct? It was an, yeah, an end unit townhome a relatively small complex. It was just perfect because it was in a good location by a mall. It was just ideal for a first first rental. Okay. And then, so who helped you? I know your uncle, he helped you with some of the contracting services, but who helped you research where to get financing, what my credit score needs to be, all of that kind of stuff. Because a lot of people think that you have to pay thousands of dollars to get a mentor, but there is information out there so kind of share with our listeners at the age of 18, where did you get that information from? Well, I started to educate myself and learn because learning is the key to improving yourself and improving your lifestyle and your livelihood and your family and everything else. It all starts with educating yourself. You know, knowledge is critical. I started doing that around the age of 13, but it was probably when I was around 15, 16 that I started ordering courses and books from Tony Robbins' personal power to real estate investing books and courses. I, I was just starting to consume information. I couldn't do a lot with it at the time, but I was educating myself. I was putting myself through my own personal university of business and investing. Then when I turned 18, or at least when I was in my late teens, 17, I, I started looking for deals. And back then, again, it was the MLS and the newspaper. So I was searching okay i was gotcha. educating myself through the process of actually searching and talking to real estate agents this one i i don't remember how i found it it was it was probably listed on the mls and i called the agent and just asked them about the numbers and the condition and all that stuff I went and looked at it and i thought okay well this fits the criteria of what i'm looking for when it comes to financing there are 
typically and usually a lot of options. You can work with a bank, uh, you can work with a mortgage broker or a loan officer working for any kind of institution that can do mortgage financing. For me at the time, I went to a credit union which was tied to the grocery store that I worked at. So they had their own credit union. So they already knew my employment status. They had some of the information that any um, lender would need up front. So I still had to have them pull my credit and all that other Absolutely. stuff, but it just it eliminated one step in the process. So I just went straight to the credit union for my employer. But for anybody else, they would just shop around. Yeah. So, and, and real quick, that's something that I never touched on and something that most people never talk about is getting financing through your credit union. I'm with the credit union and we finance cars and everything else like that with the credit union, but we never look at, hey, well, we can finance an apartment complex or a duplex or, or a house or something like that. So that was very strategic. And normally credit unions have some of the best rates. So that's actually a smart way to do it. So guys, you hear it right here from Mark. He was 18 years old getting started at doing this. So I know some of the people that I talk to, you guys are saying, well, am I too young? I'm, I'm not 21. Will people take me seriously? Well, Mark is a living testament that you can get started early and get that first deal out the way. So Marco, talking sure. about that first deal, sure. did you ever run into any issues or any struggles, let's say with the tenants or toilets and everything like that? I'm sure there were, this is so long ago now that I don't remember all the details, but yeah, I mean, there are always going to be occasional calls about something is clogged. What do you call that? Disposal in the sink. Sometimes there's an issue with that. Sometimes it's a leaky faucet. It's pretty rare. Like you hear stories about tenants, toilets, and all that other stuff at two in the morning. The reality is, is that rarely, rarely happens. You, you're not going to get a call at two in the morning. And the other thing too, and something that we'll probably touch on later, I always tell investors to hire professional full-service property management. Don't be managing the property yourself. You could. If you know what you're doing, you have the time and you enjoy that stuff, great. Do it yourself. But typically, you're not going to be doing it yourself. So you're not the one getting these calls if and when they occur. And they may not be very many. There only might be a couple calls a year. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Very true. And with my, with my properties, I started managing them independently myself just to get a hang of it and everything like that. And I was actually doing it long distance because I live here in Phoenix, but the majority of my rental properties are in the Midwest. So I wouldn't have any big major concerns, but the more I started accumulating properties, then it was like, okay, well, what if, what if? And I wasn't sleeping very well at night. So I said, but I better hire a property manager. And now I answer problems in a text message. This, what do you want me to do with it? Fix it. How much is it? 200 bucks. Go ahead. Things like that. So with that being said, Marco, let's kind of talk about, you started with that one property. Now you, you're doing thousands of properties across the nation. How was that transition starting from one at 18 years old going to, where you are now with Narada Real Estate. Well, the turning point happened in 2003. I, I had been involved as an entrepreneur in multiple businesses. Some succeeded, some failed, but it was a, a learning experience. So you always have to walk away from any kind of failure with some knowledge of how, why, why didn't this work out and what can I learn from it? And what can I learn from that experience to make myself better and more successful going forward in my next endeavor? And so I, I continued that throughout the years with all my successes and failures in business and investing. But 2003 was a turning point because in the middle of the year, I, I was basically, I hate to say unemployed. It was by choice. I didn't want to get back into a job or a job. Mm -hmm. I had just come out of a dot-com failure about two years before that. And, and I was a co-founder of that company. I was actually the third co-founder. So the idea of being an overnight multimillionaire through an IPO on, on the NASDAQ, that was a possibility. That was a reality, but it, it didn't happen. So I didn't want to get back into the corporate world. But I, I got an email, interestingly enough, in the middle of 2003 from someone 
who your listeners may recognize, a guy named Robert G. Allen. And if you go to Amazon.com and you type in Robert Allen, you'll see he's authored about 20 books, 10 of them being on real estate investing. And he was kind of one of my unofficial mentors at the time. I don't know how I got on his email list, but I got this email from him and they were putting on a free three-day boot camp here in Orange County, California in September. And I thought, well, I love real estate and I am not doing anything and it's free. I'm going to go attend, right? So I go to this boot camp, or not, it's not even a boot camp. It was actually just like a, a seminar, a three-day seminar. I go to this thing. There's probably about 2,000 people in this massive ballroom near Disneyland. And the speaker was incredible. The information was coming hard and fast. It was extremely enlightening and educational. I was engaged. I couldn't even get up from my seat. I felt like I was riveted to the seat, but I was mm-hmm. just eating it up. So at the end of the first day, they were offering these packages of these five, four, five, and six day boot camps that were peppered around the country, starting at $15,000 and going up to $35,000. And it was amazing how many people were kind of walking and running to the back of the room, credit card in hand, ready to buy these packages. And I thought, well, this is interesting. I like what I'm hearing. I have nothing else to do. And I really thought real estate is the direction I want to go. So I ended up signing up as well. And that's what started me on this trajectory of becoming, going back into real estate investing, but on a full-time basis, traveling the country and doing so. So that's how I got back into real estate investing Mm -hmm. on a personal level. But something else happened. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, before you go into that, Marco, because I know a lot of people, especially getting started, they have that belief, well, I can't spend $15,000 or I can't spend $5,000 on education as far as real estate. But I always tell people, if this is something that you absolutely want to do, you have to invest in yourself. I understand at the time if you don't have it, at that time, but you need to start thinking creatively and try and figure out, okay, if this is where I want to be, how can I raise the money, get the money in order to do that, in order to propel my dreams forward. So you took that leap, man. You were unemployed, didn't have a job, didn't want a job. And you took that leap and said, hey, if this is real estate is what I want to do, I want to jump out here and I want to do it. So just to let you guys know, Sometimes you you have to take that risk. On the other side of comfortability was really where your success lies. So guys, don't sit there and believe that you have to be limited to where you are right now. So go ahead, Marco. Didn't mean to cut in. Oh, you're fine. Marcus, here's another interesting point about that. I am all about investing in yourself, regardless of the cost, to educate yourself because The more you learn, the more you earn. And that is an absolute fact. If you don't invest in yourself, you cannot be the person that you were meant to be. You cannot achieve your full potential without actually investing in yourself first. This is why I'm a perpetual learner, perpetual reader, and I'm constantly investing in myself every day. But having said that, there's also kind of the other side of that coin where I hear people who call us, their investors or people who call us and talk to my investment counselors, looking to invest in real estate and they tell us stories that they've spent upwards of $45,000 on these fix and flip. Even this morning, just during breakfast, I'm hearing, um, listening to KFI radio and I'm hearing ads from, Hey, come to our free one day seminar on joining our team to buy and fix and flip properties here in Southern California with using other people's People's money. money. That sounds incredibly enticing. It's going to drag a lot of people into, you know, these seminars and, what are they selling? They're selling forty and $45,000 programs. And I'm not saying they're good or bad, or I'm indifferent. I, in fact, I, I know who these people are. I know who's, who's created the programs. But at the end of the day, it pains me to hear that people are spending twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 on that type of education when they could have used that to purchase one or two rental properties in the Midwest like you did and have passive income coming in every month and have a, a portfolio started or maybe just add to their portfolio instead of going through these expensive educational programs. Now, I did that, and I'm glad I did because it, it changed the tra- trajectory of where I was going. But I could have done the same thing by just talking to other successful real estate investors and buying a bunch of books that were $10, $15, $20 on Amazon and just reading five or 10 books. I would have been just as well educated, if not more educated. Mm-hmm. So you guys, you, you guys hear it from Marco. You, 
take that money and use it one for education and use it to, to really get into the game. You have to have some kind of skin in the game in order to really propel yourself forward as a real estate investor. Yes, there are a lot of gimmicks and tricks. Get out there, no money down. Some of that stuff work, but what they don't tell you is a lot of the blood, sweat, and tears you have to go through in order to get there. <laughs> some people get over the hump, but 95% of them don't. So, okay, Marco. So, Narada Real Estate, man, you, you went from this one property, got some education, and then you spawned from there. What was the next step in your journey? Personally or business-wise? When I signed up for these boot camps and started going down this road with Robert Allen's organization, two things happened. One is I started investing heavily and quickly personally, and I purchased 84 units, 84 doors in a nine-month period in 2004. So that was a very rapid portfolio accumulation. So, so were you, real quick, Marco, because I know listeners will want to know, you wasn't working at the time, strictly an entrepreneur. How did you get funding, financing to purchase? Well, I had some capital put aside. So I was using the capital that I had to acquire some of it. But it was, the, the capital I had was used mo mostly for down payments. You gotcha. just want to leverage your investment capital. So you want to put down as little as possible while still maintaining cash flow and integrity in the investment. So you don't want to over leverage yourself. But back then, there was an advantage for a lot of people, which unfortunately for many people was a two-edged sword. It was the same thing that took them down and killed them financially. But credit was relatively easy to qualify for. You could get stated income loans, no doc loans. Sounds um, like today again. Well, we're, we're going back in that direction. Yeah. However, it's better today. Believe it or not, actually, the, the average credit score on these investor loans today is 720. Back then, it was in the low 600s. Okay. So the qualification of the borrower today is far, far better than it was back then, even though we're starting to see these stated income and low doc loans. But that allowed me to get a lot of credit quickly because I was able to use stated income and low doc and no doc type loans to accumulate that portfolio. And I also did some creative financing, which is still doable today, but it's just harder to do because yeah. there are more rules in place with the financing that's out there. But, but that was on a personal side. On, on, on the business side, what had happened is investors were coming to me saying, hey, Marco, can you mentor me or coach me or help me out because I see what you're doing and look, I'm getting the same education you're getting, but I just can't pull the trigger. <laughs> and I, I, for whatever reason, but it dawned on me that there's a need out there, a niche, if you will, to help these people, to service these people and help bring them deals. There's lots of education out there. I didn't want to be another educator, although that's what we are today. Yeah. We freely educate. We provide tons of free content and material and our podcast and all that kind of stuff at no cost because we want to help you to get to where you want to be financially. But at the end of the day, you need to still have the deals because until you actually pull the trigger and invest in, in those properties and build your portfolio, you're not going to get to your financial goals. So I wanted to be that person or that company at the end of the food chain that's saying, Hey, now that you've spent all the time educating yourself, convincing yourself that you need to be a real estate investor and you need to get started, who do you turn to? Well, let us provide the value of choosing the markets, choosing the neighborhoods, choosing the properties that are already available and providing you the properties, the financing, the knowledge, team, the, the, the title companies, inspectors, and all that stuff. Let us be that kind of one-stop shop of providing that value. So that's the light bulb moment that went on when these investors were coming to me saying, hey, can you help me? I said, well, no, I don't have the time to be your mentor, but I can provide you deals. And that's how the right. business was born. Well, I mean, you saw a need and you feel that need. And that's that's the smart thing to do. You said, hey, I didn't want to be a mentor or anything like that, but I come across great deals. Hey, I can help you service these deals and manage these properties and get you in these properties and everything like that. So, and that's how Narada Real Estate was born. So you spoke about creative financing and we'll get back to your portfolio and Narada Real Estate. But in conjunction with that, you spoke about creative financing. What were some of the strategies you used in creative financing to help build that portfolio? Well, there were two that I used. The first one you can still do today. 
Uh-huh. And that is essentially negotiate with the seller to carry a second mortgage. So if they own the property free and clear or they have a lot of equity, well, even if they don't, but if you are able to get a new first mortgage on that property and have the seller agree to carry a second on the property, then you can reduce your down payment. So hypothetically speaking, you get an 80% loan on the property and then have the seller carry a 10% second. And so now your requirement is only 10% down instead of 20% down. So that, that's just a creative way to use seller financing to minimize your down payment. Now, usually those loans are need to be repaid within like five, 10, maybe 20 years. A seller of a property is typically not going to carry that loan for the full 30 years and amortize it like the first. Right. And that's okay because assuming the property is going to appreciate at a, at a nominal rate in five to 10 years, you should be able to refinance that property with a new first mortgage and pay off the seller second mm-hmm. and just have a new first and only a first. Only so that, first. that's actually, you know, not an uncommon strategy in markets and properties where it allows you to do that. And, it, and that's, that's really good because it gives someone the opportunity to get their foot in the door, basically. And that's, that's basically what the seller financing is doing is saying, hey, you may not be able to qualify for 100% of the loan, but the seller has all of this equity. Hey, seller, why don't you position the property and I'll pay you back in five years once I refinance and pull everything out. So guys, that's a strategy that you can definitely use seller financing in order to, to get that first deal or get the next deal. We use seller financing quite a bit and I actually sold a property on seller financing that way as well. It was a property that we didn't want to maintain or keep anymore, but we wanted to still generate some passive income from it. And one of our tenants put down a sizable down payment and continued to live there and pay a mortgage on the property. So guys, use that strategy like, like Marco said. Yeah, Marcus, your listeners might be asking why a seller would want to do that. I mean, why wouldn't he just want to take his money today and and move on and do something better? Well, Mm -hmm. there's two big reasons why a seller may want to do that. If they're not desperate for the money, if they're not motivated where they actually need that money today, number one is it provides a source of passive income because essentially what you've done is you've given them an investment in a note on that's secured by the property. Now they're getting monthly income from it. So they're earning off of that equity, which they weren't before. So now they have passive income. And number two is you're helping them to defer the tax implications of the capital gains that they would get from the sale of that property. Because if if it's still in the property as a note, as a loan, they're not gonna pay taxes on it today. They're not gonna pay taxes on it until that note is repaid down the road, however many years that may be. So you're actually giving them two benefits. Two benefits. And, and another benefit is now they really don't have to maintain the property. You're the buyer. So if anything happens, furnace go out or anything like that, you're responsible for it. So it's, it's better than leasing the property to an individual, but you still get those benefits and actually better benefits. Sure. Yeah. You just, you just, you just converted them from being a landlord to being a note investor. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Yep. 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 Right. So, so tell me, Marco, you did the creative financing and Narada Real Estate was born. What were some of the things that Narada State, Narada Real Estate do and offer for their clients? So before I answer that real quick, I want to close the loop on your previous question because you, you, I said there were two ways I purchased properties creatively. Okay. The second way you can't do today, unfortunately. It's very difficult unless you're very sly about it. But essentially, if you are purchasing a property below market value and you whittle praise for, let's say, $100,000, you are buying it for $80,000, if you're able to convince the seller to sell it to you at $100,000 and credit back to you some or all of that $20,000 difference from mm-hmm. the real purchase price of the $80,000, then then effectively what you're doing is you're buying it with little to no down payment because mm-hmm. you're getting it back at the close or after the close. Now, back in 2004, before 2008, you were able to do that. In fact, you could have credits on the closing disclosure where the monies were coming back to you at the title, like at the closing. That's been outlawed since 
the, the crash of 2006 and yeah. you know the 2008 you know great recession it's illegal to do that people still can do that but it's it's kind of like off the record off the off the closing statement uh-huh. it's very hush hush but that is still a way to do creative financing where if you can sell the the seller on it you can do it where you're getting the money's back you're allowed to put up to i think six percent on the closing disclosure as a as a maintenance credit or or i forgot what the terminology is but it's basically a a renovation budget or renovation credit back to you but there's a cap the lenders will only allow you so much so anyways that was the second way well and yeah and six percent can be quite a bit of money that you can hold back and get a credit for so that's like you said that was outlawed but like always there are other ways to get to get deals done i'll just leave it at that uh, so doing the creative financing you guys in the real estate were were finding these deals how were you guys finding finding deals so at at any given time as we speak here today we'll have anywhere from 100 to 200 properties available to invest in for any investor or person listening to this and they're peppered across about 20 different markets from chicago cleveland cincinnati on the north side of the country all the way down to as far as jacksonville florida tampa areas like that so it's mostly the midwest and the southeast and the way we have this available inventory, what we call turnkey, so turnkey being they're either new construction or they're newly renovated homes with no maintenance or deferred repairs. They're essentially tenant occupied, cash flow positive, ready to go. It's a performing asset. You just put it in your portfolio. It's under professional management so you can move on to your next deal. The way we accumulate that inventory is we work with builders and professional full-time property renovators or rehabbers in each of these local markets. So we have established relationships, call them like joint ventures, if you will, with the boots on the ground. So these team members that we have on the ground provide us that inventory and they they know exactly what we want and what we need and what our clients, our investor clients, want as far as that definition of a turnkey rental property and so those are single family homes predominantly sometimes they're duplexes and sometimes they're fourplexes we have a lot of new construction fourplexes and new construction duplexes but the single families are typically newly renovated properties in b class neighborhoods b plus neighborhoods sometimes a minus neighborhoods that's the sweet spot and and the inventory ebbs and flows. Like we're in a seller's market in this country right now. Inventory is tight. It's it's tough to find good deals. It's getting tougher all the time. We have a housing shortage. So it's a real challenge for us to keep up on getting and accumulating that inventory. But that's part of our job. That's part of the value we provide. And that's the business model that we have. Okay. Now, do you all do any individual marketing yourselves or you just leverage your relationships in those markets? marketing for properties or marketing for investors for both actually because uh, we've been doing this for 16 years in fact this month is our 16th 16th anniversary 16 year anniversary because of the years we've been doing this we have a lot of the relationships in these markets long-term relationships for for us to have that inventory so we have people come to us saying hey we have this type of product we'd like to you know work with you and your investors to sell, help move and sell that product and we have to vet them we, we turn them most of them down because we're content with what we have where we have it from the investor side it's really just word of mouth organic traffic online forums online uh, real estate forums uh podcasts and and interviews like this that people find out about us uh, so we get a lot of referral and organic traffic right now. I really don't spend a lot of money in terms of marketing to find investor clients, like people who want to invest. They find us even through our podcast. We get a lot of people coming in saying, hey, I've been listening to your podcast for six months and love everything you guys say. It makes complete sense. I don't know where you were five years ago or 10 years ago, but I'm glad I found you today. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, so. gotcha. Okay, well, that sounds great. Well, Marco, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors and we'll come right back to the show. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers. With 100% coverage across the U.S., PropString provides a deep dive into any property-specific details. 
making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to crowd.propstreampro.com slash we love it. Okay, Marco, we were talking about marketing strategies and how are you finding your buyers or your clients for your properties? One thing I wanted to, what, what I did want to ask was in regards to the properties, when people are bringing you, bringing you deals, pretty much, are they already turnkey or are you working with a construction crew to make sure they are rehabbed and then you're providing these assets to your uh, investor clients or are they already completely finished? The short answer to that question is we provide them the buy box, if you will, the criteria of what we define as a turnkey rental property. So they already know what they need to provide us in order for it to be something that we intend to, okay. to offer our clients. If it doesn't meet that criteria, we won't look at it or we'll go back to them and just say, hey, these are the issues that you need to address before we're going to sell it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And then now with Narada real estate, do you guys do all of the management, you know, property management across these different, different asset classes and across the nation? Good question. So we provide, this is what I like to say. We provide the knowledge and the resources and the properties that you need to be successful to create your financial freedom. So the knowledge we provide is, is tons of content. It's free. The resources is everything that goes around investing or purchasing those rental properties. And that would include property management, which is what you're asking me about. We are not property managers. We have vetted and are connecting these professional full service property management companies to you. They're already assigned to these properties, but you as our client, the investor, you can use anybody you choose. You, you don't have to use the, the companies that we recommend and refer to you. But we have a list of about two or three professional management companies in every single market that we operate in. So you can pick and choose from those or you can just find your own. 99% of the time, investors just end up using the management company that, that is already connected to that property, that's already managing that property. But property management is a critical, a critical team player on your team. I jokingly say you live and die by your property manager. So that's very important to have. It is. It's critically important. So we're very sensitive to the management companies that we work with. We fire one about every two years because for whatever reason, they just go AWOL or rogue. Yeah, yeah. But we provide you all those resources and contacts. So property management, the lenders and, and mortgage brokers, the asset protection attorneys, the tax advisors or CPAs, the property inspectors, the title companies. There shouldn't be anybody outside of our network that you would need to source that we don't already have available to provide to you if you want it. Wow, that's that's amazing. So I, I'm assuming that the majority of the clients are out-of-state investors that are buying, maybe that are investors maybe in California buying in the Midwest or buying in the South where they can get a better return on their investment versus trying to purchase in California, am I assuming correctly? Well, it depends on where your reference point is. Like we're we're based in 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 California, but we get a lot of clients coming out of California because they're what I say equity rich and cash flow poor. Yeah, it's very hard to invest in California because prices are so high, and the ratio of that rental income to this to the property price is so low that the numbers are just not going to make sense. And, and that's good. We're a great resource for people like that, but it's also true for people in New York or New Jersey or any other expensive mm -hmm. market, be it Denver, Colorado, uh, even to some degree Phoenix and, and Las Vegas right now. But the numbers get out of whack because what happens is property values increase faster than the rents. And when that rent to value ratio starts to spread, and you, ideally we'd like to see a 1% ratio. So $100,000 property has okay. got $1,000 a month rent. 
roughly, it could be 1100, it could be 900, even 800 works, but that range. But when you're below that range and you have like a 0.5%, 0.6% RV ratio, like what we see here in California, the numbers don't make sense. You're, you're not getting the same cash on cash returns and, and you're late in a real estate cycle too. So if you're hoping, and I don't like to be, I don't like to talk about appreciation too much because I don't want people to become speculators. I want them to invest prudently. But when you look at those factors, it makes more sense to invest in other markets that have better rates of return, better cash flow, and are earlier in their real estate cycle than what you find in coastal markets like coastal California, Washington, New York, New Jersey, and places mm -hmm. like that. So yes is the answer to your question. We get a lot of people from the home state here in California, but we get people from all over the country and even the world saying, hey, I can't invest in my local market. Yeah. The numbers don't make sense yeah. here. I can't find deals. And so help me. <laughs> and I was, I was actually in that, that same predicament. And that was the reason why I asked the question is because when I first moved to Arizona, you could still find deals that's hitting the 2% rule, but now it's half a percent to maybe even just a third. And it just didn't make any sense when I could take the cash that I have here and deploy it, you know, in the Midwest where you can get a good, healthy 2%, you know, return really quickly on, on that money. So that's the reason why I was asking that question is because I know that the Midwest is really hot when it comes to, comes to the rental market. And I was on your website and I saw that you guys are doing some things in Indianapolis, Chicago, Michigan, Kansas City. Kansas City, absolutely. So guys, if you're looking to deploy some capital and you really want a healthy return, you need to contact Marco and we'll make sure we have all of this contact information in the show notes so you can reach out to Narada Real Estate. So Marco, how do you believe that Narada Real Estate's investment philosophy have changed or helped some of the communities that you invest in? How does it change the communities or the people we work with? Both. Well, the people are part of the community. So, right. How does it help the community by turning some of these properties around or well, yeah. educating some of the clients that you work with? Well, it's simple. If... It, Everybody wants to live on a nice street in a nice neighborhood with nice neighbors, right? So you have to look at yourself as a, as a business person, as a real estate investor. Your product is a living space for people who are looking for a home to live in. The, the property is the product, but the real business is, is about the people, not the property. Mm -hmm. So it's a people business, not a property or, or product business. And therefore, what your job is, is to provide safe, clean, and functional housing for people who, who need it. And if you provide safe, clean, functional housing at an affordable price, in other words, market rent, to people who want it, they're going to choose your property over the next guy's property, and they're going to be happy living there. So you're making, you're making your customer, your tenant, happy by providing them what they're looking for. And in return, they're going to pay you their monthly rent every month and help build your net worth and your and improve your cash flow position or your passive income so it's a win-win situation and when you have a nice property on a street that used to be maybe run down or or or, or mm -hmm. dilapidated and you're buying that property that's been newly renovated well you're improving that street you're improving that neighborhood so the more we do that as real estate investors the better off these neighborhoods are going to be that we're investing in so it's a win-win all around. And at the end of the day, you as an investor are happy because guess what? You're slowly achieving your investment goals, maybe quickly, Absolutely. but you're achieving your investment goals. Absolutely. And that's what I tell a lot of people. I said, it's, you can't be so dollar driven to where you lose relationships over it. As a real estate investor, one of the key things is your relationships, albeit with your partners, your contractors, funders, things like that, but also your tenants, your tenants. It's, it's better to keep a long-term tenant than constantly turning over because that turnover could be 12% each time you turn, turn the property over. So that's one of the things that I try and do. I try and harp on, like I said earlier, my property manager called me and said, Hey, do you want to fix this? That's not a question, do I want to fix it? It's how much is it going to cost to get it fixed? You right. know, because the tenants pay faithfully every month and they that's all they're looking for is a, is a great home to live in and know that they have a landlord that's definitely going to 
help them and, and fix anything that that's broken. So Mark, we are going to go into our hot seat questions, man. Thank you for all of the information that you provided us thus far. So rolling into our hot seat questions, let's try and answer these questions as quick as possible. So starting over, what would you do differently? Well, I did start at a young age, but I, let's assume I didn't. If I was starting over, I would start at a, as young as possible. And, I, and if you're listening to this and you're in your 40s or 50s, don't think that it's too late. Absolutely not. In fact, most of our clients are in their 50s and 40s. But start as early as you can because you want time on your side and save as earn as earn and save as much as you can as fast as you can for the sole purpose of going broke and what i mean by that is you want to deploy those savings into income producing rental real estate as quickly as you can and as often as you can and if you follow that formula you're going to look back after three five seven ten years and you're going to be amazed at what you've built okay all right and what do you think is your greatest commodity outside of capital greatest commodity outside of capital was your knowledge that that is that is my number one rule of my my rules for successful real estate investing is is educate yourself invest in yourself build your your knowledge capital because if the more knowledge capital you have the more and quicker the other types of capital will come to you including financial capital you have to build your personal capital first absolutely knowledge like you said knowledge is power and it's key what is one thing you can do to be more productive? This is something I always work on and more and more so lately is to be greedy with your time, schedule your time wisely, learn to say no more often to things that really don't matter, that don't contribute. You have to just stay focused on the things that actually matter. And, and if you're greedy with your time, you will be more successful. Gotcha. What drives your ambition? Well, my family, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> my, my, my family, my freedom and lifestyle. I want to maintain freedom and lifestyle, but also my mission, which is to help 1 million people create passive income and uh, create wealth and passive income through real estate and put them on the path to financial freedom. Okay. And what do you believe is your greatest challenge internal or external to that mission of passive income with 1 million people? That's a very good question. I don't know what my greatest challenge is because I look at every challenge as an opportunity. If I see a challenge, I'm quickly thinking about how to overcome it. But if I had to pick something, I would say just time. Time keeps ticking away. You can never get it back. So my greatest challenge is lost time. If you lose time, you can't get it back. Gotcha. <laughs> so you, yeah. you either you know let it go or you make up, try and make up for it. <laughs> True, and it's it's really hard. It, it slips through your fingers so quickly. That's why you have to be uh, very time conscientious. So Marco, speaking of everything that we talked about, what are some great books that you would recommend our listeners to, to read? Well, there's always hundreds of great books. The one that I'm in the middle of and almost finished, and actually I'm going to be interviewing the author next week for our podcast is a, a new book that came out called indistractable it's a made-up word i think he's trademarked it but we were just talking about time time management and being able to say no more often to the things that don't matter this is exactly what he talks about in the book called indistractables how not to be distracted in a world full of distractions constantly everywhere mm -hmm. on your phone social media everything else it's a really good book this is also the same author the new york times best-selling author that wrote the book hooked which is now pretty much in every corporate boardroom. Yeah. So his name is Nier. His first name is N-I-R, Nier. But I highly recommend that book. It's okay. both a personal development book and a business book at the same time. Okay, and we'll have those books in the show notes here, uh, guys, so you can pick those books up and, and read those books. Marco, what do you believe is one characteristic that sets successful investors up for life? A characteristic? Yes. I think this one is pretty simple, although I can give you a laundry list of answers to this. At the end of the day, it's taking action. A lot of people, this is how I started the business 16 years ago. Yeah. Investors were willing to spend twenty-five, thirty-five, forty-five thousand dollars on an on on boot camps and whatnot. 
they're okay spending money to educate themselves and taking action and going down that road. But until you, until the rubber meets the road and you actually pull the trigger and take action, you write that contract to purchase that first or next rental property, things are going to stay just the same for you. It's the action. It's the execution that makes all the difference. And that's, that's very true. And this year, that's my year is the year of execution because I do, I speak to a lot of people and it's, well, I know how to do this. I know how to do that. I have all of the content Well, you can have all the information in the world, but if you're not applying that information and taking action, it's useless. So that's one thing that's, that's great that you did bring that up because that's one of the things that people need to do. They just need to take action. So Marco, tell me a little bit about what Narada Real Estate have going on. What's next? How can we get in contact with you if we want to invest with you? Well, we have two websites. One is our core website and the other one is the sister website, which is the home of the podcast, but they both link to each other. The best place to get free information and learn more about what we're doing is noradarealestate.com, N-O-R-A-D-A, noradarealestate.com. The sister website is the name of our podcast, passiverealestateinvesting.com. Just a very appropriate title because that's what we like to teach and encourage people to do is become a passive real estate investor, not swinging hammers to try and make chunks of cash. And as far as your question about what we have coming up, the free download on our website, which is like a 40 page guide on, it's an ultimate guide on, on passive real estate investing is being turned into a full fledged paperback book. And we expect an April 1st release of that book and we intend to give it away for free. So if people go to the website and they sign up or become a member for free or they download that report, they're automatically put on a notification list. So when that book is available, it will be released and it will become a free download. Uh, It'll also be on Amazon if you actually want, you know, the the paperback, but you can download the book. Okay, guys. So make sure you go to Narala Real Estate dot com that way you can get the information regarding the ultimate guide to real estate investing the podcast i'll make sure i have all of this information in the show notes marco santarelli i want to thank you and appreciate you coming on talking to the we love equity listeners finally before we sign off any parting words just educate yourself and take action i mean that's the bottom line educate yourself take action and listen to your podcast listen to podcasts listen to read books just do it There you go. So you heard it from Marco. Just do it. Get out there and take action, guys. Thank you again. And we'll be talking with you on next week. Thanks, Marcus. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, And of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.